Welcome to MPS. Tonight's message is a pretty simple one. I'm going to start it uh, by just telling you what we'll be talking about tonight. We'll be talking about grace and the Christian experience. And I want to start with a um, an illustration by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I remember reading once of a person who dreamed a dream when in great distress of mind about religion. He thought he stood in the outer court of heaven. He saw glorious hosts marching up the steps of light, singing hymns and bearing the banners of victory. They passed by him and entered through the gates, and he heard in the distance sweet strains of music. Who are they? he asked. Don't you know, was the reply. They are the goodly fellowship of prophets who have gone to be with God. He heaved a deep sigh and said, Alas, I am not one of them, and shall never be, and cannot enter there. By and by, there came another band, equally lovely in appearance and equally triumphant, robed in white. Who are these? he cried with a wistful, wistful expectancy. They are the goodly fellowship of the apostles. Alas, he said, as they passed within the portal, I belong not to that fellowship, and I cannot enter there. And he still waited and lingered in hope that he might yet go in, but the next multitude did not encourage him, for they were the noble army of martyrs. He could not go in, go with them, nor wave their palm branches. He waited still and saw that the next was a company of preachers of the gospel and earnest Christian workers. He felt he could not go with them. Hope of entrance seemed to have gone when at last as he walked he saw a large host, a larger host than all the rest put together, marching and singing melodiously. And he and in front walked the woman that was a sinner and the thief that died upon the cross. He looked along and saw their Manasseh and the like, and when they entered, he could see who they were, and he thought there will be shouting about them. But to his astonishment, it seemed as if all heaven was rent with seven full shouts as they passed in. The angel said to him, These are they that were mighty sinners saved by mighty grace. Then he said, Blessed be God, I can go with them. So he awoke. Will you enter the heavenly portals as a sinner saved by grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Accept Christ. Yield to him. Give him the government of your life. And you will stand and bask in the full radiance of the grace of the kingdom of heaven eternally. Now that's by Char Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I thought it was fitting because it speaks directly to what we'll be talking about this evening. Grace and the Christian experience. It's important to remember that we all require grace. It's important to remember that grace is something that is connected to us in our very existence. We'll discover this evening that there are two forms of grace that we see distinctly in the Bible. There's the grace of the Old Testament, and then there's the grace of the New Testament. 
the grace of the Old Testament was a way of describing human graciousness towards other people, or even in the divine sense, how God may show his favor to an individual or a nation, or even a stranger. And in the New Testament, it's unmerited favor or reward from God, but it's given to us at a greater, uh, a greater level through the salvation that Christ gives to us through his death and resurrection. Now, the Greek word, haris, is what we find in the New Testament. Haris means grace, favor, graciousness, goodwill. We see an example of it in John 1, 17. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. The law was indeed given through Moses. So we see that the law is in the Old Testament. And the law is just kind of, it's the, it's the nail that it's the last nail in the coffin by the law you live it you die by it we're all condemned by it but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ the liberator he liberated us from a life that would be condemned to death he liberated us from the law by fulfilling the law by becoming the perfect sacrifice on Calvary for our sins. The law was a dangerous thing. It was necessary in the Old Testament, but it never actually did anything for anyone. It caused a lot of harm. It, it would allow them to spill the blood, to, you know, honor God and to address certain uh, issues in community. It had its place, but ultimately we failed even in trying to follow these laws. And if you look at the world today, people who are trying to live a really stringent lifestyle of never making mistakes, they ultimately fail. And as we all do, and, we're condemned by the law. That's why Christ was so important. He was key. And I want to jump to a scripture um, just quickly. Because grace comes from Christ, we know. And it was prophesied in the Old Testament many times. I mean, even, uh, we'll see in a little bit, but even when... God is sort of handing down the punishments in the garden to the serpent, uh, the woman, and, and the man. He foreshadows the coming of Christ. But in Isaiah 53, 11, uh, it says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant, Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. We know that he's talking about Jesus Christ here. He shall, by, he will, he shall bear their iniquities. But 
my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. Hmm. To me, that's... He, he was the reason that we have this deeper, this harris, this deeper, this salvation that we have eternal life. We're no longer condemned to death. Some of the characters in the Old Testament, we see Noah. I think of Noah right away. Noah knew about grace. He came from a turbulent time. There's, the land was filled with violence. The, the sons of God had taken union with the daughters of men. The Nephilim were the great warriors of old were, were roaming the earth. Uh, it was a bad time and God was fed up with what was going on. So he was going to destroy all man. But Noah, in Genesis 6, 8, Noah says, but Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. And God used Noah to preserve humankind. There was a great punishment, but God preserved humankind through Noah. That's a divine grace there. Divine favor. Moses, who would later, he would go and be a part of a prophetic, um, a prophetic time where even it was prophesied to Abraham that his people would suffer for 400 years in Egypt. But, but Moses was a part of that deliverance. And it was God's divine favor yet again that gave the power to accomplish this feat. In Exodus 33, 17, the Lord says to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked for. You have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. Now in this, for instance, Moses is asking if he can see his glory. The, the Lord was gracious to Moses and said, you could see my back, not my face. Because if you look upon my face, you'll perish. But you could see my back. So if we go further down that, 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 that verse... We're going to see that the Lord had a very uh, gracious encounter with Moses. And now we're going to jump over to the New Testament. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption 
that is in Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. We are redeemed by Jesus Christ. In those early years of the Old Testament, life was very hard. At times, life was very bleak, and it didn't seem like a good decision could be made one way or the other. And human inference gets in the way. We get in the way of our own selves, and God is big enough, and, he, he, and he's a promise keeper, as we, we see in Noah, when he said, I will never try to wipe the world again with water. He holds to his promise. But it wasn't enough because the relationship was always in, in being contested. He wanted people to be back into a garden-like experience with him. And the only way to do that was to give his son, Jesus Christ. So we move over, because uh, we're still examining the Old Testament versus the New Testament grace here. And we come to Jesus, where they speak about Jesus in John 1.14. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory and the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Now, Jesus is the grace manifested in flesh. He's the divine will manifested in human flesh. His divine purpose is to save humankind. If we looked at Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21, Paul talks about this. I believe as well. I feel the same way. We lose our salvation due to one man. We gain our salvation due to one man. One man was created with the, the, the intent and purpose to fellowship with God in the garden so that God may take pleasure in spending time with him and, and, and building relationship with him. But then we see a rift occur, and that rift, it it's just horrible. But when Jesus comes, he's the perfect son. He spends the perfect the perfect time here, ministering and building up people around him with the truth. He challenges things of, that are false. He, he accepts what Abraham couldn't do with Isaac. He becomes the perfect lamb. Romans 5, 12 through 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law. But sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death existed and exercised dominance exercise dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. 
But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of one man's sin. Going to open this. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one man, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life the one man jesus christ through the one man jesus christ therefore just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all so one man's act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all for just as by the one man's disobedience there were many were made sinners so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous but law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied but where sin increased grace abounded all the more so that just as sin exercised dominion in death so grace might exercise dominion through justification leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's a blessing. There's a promise fulfilled. There's a prophecy fulfilled that's still being fulfilled to this day. We're no longer bound to the old, but we're saved through Jesus Christ. And we're to continue growing we're to continue to exist in this Christian experience. The Christian experience is grace. And I want to move to 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, the New Revised Standard Version. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though I was not, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. This is a part of our everyday life. We need to exercise this so that others can see. It's not about, in this case, Paul's talking, I believe, about the disciples, but it, it's not about what we look like. I am what I am. We, we do struggle with ourselves. It was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And of course, we're continuously growing this way. We're to continue growing in grace. And as I draw this to a conclusion, I'm going to I'm going to share this this scripture, and then I'm going to conclude. Acts 20, 32, and now I commend you to God 
and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. My prayer for you today is that you would go forward in an understanding of God's grace and its abundance. It's the core of our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Those who are your brothers and sisters in the Lord and those who are not even saved yet. By your example, may they see Jesus Christ dwelling within you. And as I bring my sermon to an end, I pray that we continue to grow in Christian experience and our hunger for the things of the Lord continue to grow through the ages. I pray that all of you here today would go forward and have a blessed week and bless those around you with the grace that we have received as a free gift from above. Good night and God bless.